Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. Always good advice. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Returning to our friends from Provident, they're a fee-only wealth advisory, and their CEO Christopher Tan helps us figure out uh, key topics in investment. And today we're discussing ESG investing. It's become really trendy, really popular. But before you jump on the bandwagon, is a profit with purpose purpose portfolio realistic when it comes to your investing goals. What do you need to understand about ESG investing if you do want to get started? And how can you as an investor with the available information make good calls when it comes to greenwashing? Don't know what greenwashing is? We're going to figure all that out with uh, Christopher Tan. I learned something new. You know, I always go to uh, look up our, our, our guests a little bit before they come on, even though I've spoken to them many times. And I didn't know, Chris, that you actually worked through a burst appendix once. That's how hardworking you are. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> almost died. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a terrific video, and I highly recommend you check it out on Providence uh, front page, providence.com, all about Christopher Tan and his incredible work ethic. All right, Chris, you want to talk about ESG investing today. It's become, what is it, first of all? Can you help us get beyond the uh, acronym ESG? That's right, that's right. Good morning, Michelle. It's good to talk to you. Now, oh, um, ESG. So the term ESG investing really means, I mean, firstly, e- environmental, and then S, social, and G, governance, right? So it means using these factors to evaluate companies or even countries on how far advanced they are with um, you know, impacting sustainability of the world. And once enough data has been acquired on these three met- uh, metrics on uh, the company, for example, that you want to buy, mm-hmm. then, well, the investor or uh, if you're using a fund manager, the fund manager will then integrate it into their process before deciding whether they should buy these securities or not. So that's what ESG investing really is about. Okay, we've seen the conversation on climate change really grow over the past couple of years. ESG investing also we're hearing is increasingly popular. Why do you think so many people are suddenly tuned into this theme? Right. Well, I've got two bad reasons and one good one. So <laughs> the first bad one is I think it's a lot of marketing hype. I think a lot of fund houses are doing you know, lots and lots of uh, branding and marketing on it and saying that ESG investing will give investors superior returns. And I mean, the logic is like very clear. You know, if a company has got good governance, well, surely it means that future cash will be better. There'll be less risk. And so this created a lot of buzz and caused a lot of interest amongst investors. Well, secondly, it's Unfortunately, you know, uh, Michelle, like sort of like the theme of the month kind of thing. Mm. You know, every other year we get a new theme, right. and so if you're not careful, this can also become like a theme of the month product. But the third reason is a good one. Um, I think investors today are becoming more purposeful. They are concerned about the world, and I think that's a good thing. They want to leave the world a better place for the next generation, and they want to express that conviction, that belief, their values through their investment. So I think that's the, the, the good reason for ESG becoming more popular. Okay, very interesting. Is it realistic to expect that ESG investing can give you a high return and reduce risks? Right. So, 
you know, we, I got my investment team to do some research over the past months, and we concluded uh, three things, actually. I mean, firstly, unfortunately, we cannot conclude that ESG companies, if you buy the ESG stock, for example, the, the, or rather the company that you think uh, contributes to ESG, unfortunately, we cannot consistently uh, conclude that that particular buy will give you a higher expected return. So that's the first. Mm-hmm. Secondly, if you are using fund managers uh, that use uh, ESG strategies uh, as their mandate, Again, we cannot find a consistent uh, uh, delivering of higher or lower returns of risk. And certainly, the cost of implementation matters. So if you're buying a fund, for example, again, the cost of how much they charge you, especially if they say that, well, because this is ESG, we're going to charge you slightly higher because more work you know, has to go in, into deciding what uh, stocks or bonds to buy. I think that's going to eat into the returns. But you know, the other thing that came out very strongly, actually, mm. in the research is that the data out there, and there are many data out there mm-hmm. that are inconsistent, yep. not conclusive at all about returns and even the risk in ESG investing. Important to hear that. Um, so, you know, how do we approach this? And it seems untested, really hot theme. Everybody wants to jump on it, but the data is inconclusive. Why, why do you think that's so? Well, um, well, what's the data inconclusive? Maybe the best way for me to explain this is, for example, right, Michelle, when you want to buy a bond, you may want to know if the company issuing the bond will return you the money when mm-hmm. the bond matures. So what do we do? I mean, we go and search out credit rating of the bond issuer before deciding if you want to invest in it. And in the same way, when you want to decide if a company is so-called, in my own term, ESG positive before you decide to invest in it, you need data on this company, whether they, you know, they are, for example, environmentally friendly in their products they produce or the way they produce it. But this is where the problem starts. Mm-hmm. There are 26 ways to define an ESG issue. An example of an ESG issue is you know, greenhouse gas emission, toxic waste, you know, things like that. And there are 26 of these issues as defined by this board called the Sustainability Accounting Standard Boards. And there's more. There are 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals you know, there's a goal that UN set to reach sustainability. And out of these 17 goals, is further broken down to 262 indicators to indicate we are achieving that goal. Mm. And, well, I mean, just two ESG data providers alone, and there are many, I, I don't even know how many, there are like maybe a hundred of them or more. Yeah, but just two, and the more popular ones like Sustainalytics and uh, MSCI, ESG metrics. Well, these two data providers, they they are in, well, Sustainalytics has 220 ways to measure. MSCI has 200 plus ways to, met, uh, to measure whether a company is so-called ESG positive. So, you know, trying to decide which metrics to use to assess a company is so difficult. I mean, for bonds, there are only three major re- uh, credit rating agencies, Moody's, S&P, and Fitch. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I mean, they, they come out with very similar kind of rating for the company. But because there are different rating agencies using different metrics, measuring different issues, well, you can imagine if I get two rating agencies to measure, say, Chevron, you know, and see whether how they do in terms of ESG, well, they're going to come up with very different products. So it's so difficult to decide. So this is the problem.
I can see how this would lead to a lot of confusion amongst investors, especially when we talk about greenwashing, which is actually a marketing ploy to make the product seem more sustainable than it really is, you know, convince investors that the company is making positive environmental choices um, when it may not be. You know, it's all about how it's framed. So how can investors think through greenwashing with the available information out there? You, me- you mentioned there's so many different data data points, is there not any meaningful measure for total environment impact of funds that right. an investor can use? Right. So as you have mentioned, right, I mean, greenwashing is the process of sort of like the company conveying false impression or providing misleading information about how a company products or service is more environmentally sound. Mm. I mean, an example would be, I don't know whether you remember, I mean, we don't see that that often now today, uh, Michelle, you know, mm-hmm. when you go to the hotel, they say, if you don't wash your towel, you know, you, you, you leave it, you know, then the hotel will use less water, you know. And I so must be are, really oh. old because I remember <laughs> it vividly. <laughs> You don't see it that often nowadays because that is a good example of greenwashing. I mean, they're just using the excuse of being environmentally friendly, but mm-hmm. actually really it's just to save costs. So, I mean, a lot of greenwashing is going around, not just um, amongst companies, but even fund houses. I mean, you know, when they put a label on ESG, I think as investors, we really need to ask ourselves question, what exactly the ESG investment is doing so-called to be ESG. We want to ask a bit more, how are they measuring ESG exactly? What is the goal behind the way investment is being touted as ESG? What part of ESG are they focusing on? I mean, there are three parts to the ESG, right? And personally, I find that it is actually quite tough for a manager to be good in all three, right? So usually there is a focus and we want to find out, you know, don't just take I mean, uh, uh, just because you see ESG label, that means that is good. So just like any other investment, I think investors should read the prospectus of the ESG fund that they are interested in. I mean, that will tell you the fund objective, list the companies that the fund invests in, and then investors can then make an informed decision about, you know, if that fund aligns with their values and also if certain companies that they invest in is really in alignment with the objective of the fund. I mean, again, an example would be, I mean, if this fund is supposed to be environmentally friendly, especially from the E point of view, you know, guess how emission point of view. If you see that fund holding lots of oil companies, I'm not saying that you can't, but if that that fund has got a lot of oil companies, I mean, that's a red flag whether, you know, is this really uh, E fund or ESG fund? So these are some things investors can do. Okay. Great questions to keep in mind and to ask for the man on the street. Listen, Chris, there's so many funds out there. The Vanguard FTSE Social Index Fund. Mm. There's the iShares Global Clean Energy ETF even. A Shelton Green Alpha Fund. And they all purport to do different things. Mm. What are the different ways that we as investors can get in on the ESG theme? I think in Singapore, I think most of us can, you know, either invest via an ETF. I mean, for example, there is a new ETF in town. I mean, not that new, but uh, pretty new. It's the BlackRock US Carbon Transition Readiness ETF. Mm-hmm. And, and that fund is supposed to outperform the Russell 1000. And well, uh, according to BlackRock, you know, if you buy into that particular ETF, well, basically, you are buying into companies that have got less uh, exposure in terms of carbon intensity. So that's that's one way. But just take note that 
uh, that particular ETF still hold companies like Chevron and Exxon, you know, which is, uh, well, you know, oil companies, they, mm. they have to burn the oil to produce energy and that uh, creates greenhouse emission. But again, like I say, it doesn't mean that if you are environmentally friendly, you cannot hold uh, oil companies. It's just how many oil companies they hold and how do they decide which oil companies they hold. I mean, that's one way to buy via ETF. Mm. Of course, you can buy through uh, unit trust, yeah, mm. funds, mutual funds. Yeah, mm. but again, I want to uh, warn investors that um, a few things to look at, as I mentioned, read the prospectus, look at their objectives, see how, you know, what is the, the impact they are trying to create. And more importantly, mm. look at the fees. I mean, the fees like you're, you're paying like one over percent per year, two percent per year, it's just going to eat into returns. One to three percent. Okay, so that's it basically, ETFs and mutual funds? Uh, mostly, I would say that's the easiest way because, you know, as I mentioned, there are so many data points mm-hmm. and as a retail investor, it is very hard for us to get our hands onto, uh, you know, in, uh, some of these data points from Morningstar, from uh, MSCI. Oh, yeah. It's very difficult actually for us, you know. Um, yeah, so the the easiest for investors is really they are an ETF listed on an exchange or just buy a mutual fund. Fantastic. Now, how is Provident addressing looking at ESG investing? I know you're a no hidden charges, no conflict of interest firm. You operate on a fee basis. What is Provident's um, angle on ESG? Well, I think the way we look at ESG is, um, I mean, offering these kind of investments to our client is just a natural outflow of our desire to positively impact the world. And we, we, we look at ESG efforts as one that must be comprehensive, holistic, and really in alignment with our corporate purpose. I, I think it must go beyond just marketing hype. It must be an outflow of what the organization really means. I mean, I always ask uh, ourselves, right? I mean, if we are now measured on our ESG metrics, how are we fair? How are we faring in terms of our social metrics, of our governance uh, metrics? If as a company we do badly, then offering such investment is a disconnect between what we do and what we truly believe in. On one hand, mm-hmm. we are saying, you know, okay, go and buy all these ESG funds. But the way we behave as an organization, it's not ESG friendly at all. So I think, again, the way we look at it for investors, and I, I, I think this is very important, uh, ESG investing is more a way for you to express your values without sacrificing returns rather than to get a higher expected returns. Because if you are going for higher expected returns, right. well, evidence shows that you may be disappointed because there is no data that consistently show a relationship between returns and ESG. But if you can invest you know, and don't sacrifice too much return, but it's a way to express your conviction well, then, well, that's the correct way to look at ESG investing. Okay, I think of Provident and I think all conviction, actually. So, will you be offering ESG investment? Uh, yes, actually, uh, having said all the above, you know, in fact, just a few weeks ago, we worked with our investment partner, Dimensional Fund Advisors, to mm. launch the uh, SGD share class of their two sustainability fund. We like we like how they manage it because they are not really depending on all these ESG data points, but really their aim is to buy companies with lower greenhouse gas emission intensity. Yeah, so one of their equity funds actually uh, is able to reduce the greenhouse gas emission, which affects climate change by about 75%. And for one of their fixed income funds, uh, they are able to reduce the gas house emission by, or rather greenhouse gas emission by about 91%. So we like it because it, there is actually real 
impact. And it's not about uh, getting a higher return. In fact, Dimensional kept saying that you know there is no evidence to show that they can. It's just that when you invest in these funds, the returns are not sacrificed. The returns are the same as if you didn't invest in ESG. Um, and you know, just to put you know our, our so-called the money where our mouth is, mm-hmm. we actually seeded these two classes of uh, funds with our own company's money, and well, my own money is in there as well. So I contribute to ESG myself. Oh, good to know. I'm going to ask a nosy question. Does it does the fund have at least three years of performance data? Uh, this is the uh, SGD class. So the original fund, the US dollar class, the equity definitely has more than three years. Mm. Uh, I think it's about uh, five years. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, Dimensional has quite a few number of ESG funds. They started so-called social investing since, I think, in the 1980s. They have a social screen that screens out uh, companies that do not meet so-called their social mark, you know. Uh, so it's not new for Dimensional. But the equity fund, uh, I think the US dollar definitely has got more than three years. The fixed income is a bit shorter. But HGD class is, is brand new because we launched it for the Singapore investor. Yeah, but it's, the underlying is the same fund, uh-huh. just that we, we changed the currency, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for, for sharing with us, Chris. Have a wonderful day ahead. Thank you, Michelle. He's Christopher Tan, CEO and founder of Provident. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.